Deitsana on the 15th of August, 1979. In one of the rules of the discipline, the Lord said that when we want to get other people's attention, we should not use our voice and call out. Instead, we should beckon them with our hand, waving at them. This indicates that the Lord wanted seclusion and quietude. Taking this seclusion or quietude as the basis or foundation for the practice of citta Pavana. The practitioners during the time of the Lord Buddha considered or took the practice of citta Pavana as their work and put their whole life into it. We can see that there is a great contrast between the followers of the Buddha Sasana, both the bhikkhus and the laity of the present time and of the time of the Lord Buddha. This is by using the ways of practice in the past that were recorded in the text as a basis of comparison. We can see that they are very far apart and very different from one another. They are two different worlds. But the Lord Buddha and the Savakas only taught the practice of walking Jangama and sitting in Samadhi Pavana. They pointed out the places that are suitable for the practices and they pointed out the techniques and the ways of overcoming and correcting the kilesas, tanha and asava. The topics of conversation that they had during the time of the Lord Buddha was the Salle Kadamma, which was the chief or principal topic of conversation. Salleka means cleansing or purifying. This is the cleansing or getting rid of the kilesas in all of our actions of body, speech, and heart. They should only be for the purpose of cleansing and eliminating the kilesas. Then it will be appropriate for we who have gone forth for the purpose of getting rid of and cleansing the kilesas from the heart and not for the accumulating of these things. But right now we only have the appearance of one who has gone forth. Originally going forth meant the letting go of and the cutting off of all the kilesas, tanha and asava. And if we believe in this 
ideal. And when it is the time to practice, we don't follow the way of that practice, but instead accumulate more of the kilesas. Then we are going against the way of Dhamma and of the Vinaya. Therefore, the practitioner must pay heed to the teachings that have been recorded in the text and take them up as his basis. For this is the true and genuine basis. They are the ways and means of practice that bear the fruit of results. And that is why the Lord had them recorded in the text. It was so that those who are interested in the way of practice can take them up. Otherwise, we would not be able to see any trace of what they did in the past. All that would be left is just the letters that were recorded in the text, like the descriptions of the Maka, Pala, and Nibbana. And when we study these things, we merely study them. We only study them so that we can gain fame and be renowned. So we just end up studying for the accumulating of the gilesas. When we study, we only study to accumulate the gilesas. And as far as the way of practice is concerned, we have no idea what it is like. We just don't know how to practice. And when we practice, we can't avoid accumulating more kilesas as we go along. This is going contrary to the intention of the Lord Buddha and the purpose of the Sasana Dhamma. Really give this a thought. You must not solely depend on what the teachers can instruct you and give to you. For this is not adequate, because when your teacher teaches you, it is only for the purpose of making you become wise. And how can one become wise? You have to be inclined to do a lot of investigation, analysis, and reflection. You have to concentrate and be attentive, having mindfulness as you deal with all the things that come into contact with the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and body, and your heart. Otherwise, you will never be able to come up with any wisdom. If sati and panya are not being put to use, then for the rest of your life, you will never be able to come up with any wisdom. The Lord Buddha and all of the Savakas attain to wisdom through the means of sati, panya, satta, and diligent effort. They did not become wise through being idle, or when walking jangama, walking like one who is hopeless. For the jitta just drifts and wanders around 
without having mindfulness or sati to take care of the citta. So no matter how much one walks jangama, it is no different from people walking along the street. The things that are interrelated or connected are sati and panya. They are the instruments that will uplift the heart and send it to freedom from the oppression of the glasas. Sata is belief or conviction. It is the belief in the maka and pala and the belief that once one has trod the way of the Lord Buddha, one will come upon the result. One must be constantly applying one's diligent effort. This diligent effort is the support in our striving and in our establishing our sati or mindfulness. In our investigation with panya, it is used to keep us from being tired of correcting and overcoming the gilesas. It is used to keep us from sliding back in our setting up of mindfulness and our investigation of panya. This is what diligent effort is. It is the effort within the jitta. The fundamental principle is at the jitta. The body is merely a condition. And when we walk back and forth without mindfulness, then it is like people who go for a stroll. When people go out to take a walk, they have no intention of striving in their practice. They are no worse than us who think that we are striving in our walking jangama or sitting in samadhi pavana without having any mindfulness. We are worse than people who go for a stroll. We must not be like that. The teaching of the Lord Buddha that has been recorded in the text can really teach us a good lesson if we use our sati and panya to investigate following what has been taught. All of this dhamma will steadily become useful and valuable to us. But this is not usually the way, and so it is more like a parrot, which can be taught to say, precious stone, precious stone. But when one gives the parrot a precious stone, it would not know what to do with it. It knows more about the fruits of the trees. This is the parrot. But as far as the affairs of the Gilesas, Tanha and Asawa are concerned, the Chitta can grab at them very quickly and become totally obsessed and involved with them and will never be satiated by them. If anything has to do with Dhamma and the truth, 
which is similar to the precious stone, then it would not like to have anything to do with them. And one's diligent effort becomes very slackened. When one walks Jankama, one's knees become very weak. And when one sits in Samadhi Pavana, it seems as if one's bones and one's body are bursting apart. And when one tries to set up one's sati for the investigation with panya, to combat and contend with the kilesas, which are harmful to oneself, one becomes weak and discouraged. Then one lets the kilesas trample all over one and knock one out. One then thinks, Oh, this is hopeless. I have been striving so hard, but I can never attain to any calm. So everything just turns in the way of the gilesas, even while one is walking jangama or sitting in samadhi pavana. This is because while one is doing it, one is being influenced by the kilesas and not by Dhamma. So how can one ever come across the truth and Dhamma? This is the way that a practitioner must reflect and consider, and then he will have something to consider and use as a measurement to see how much one has gained and how much one has lost. If one uses one's panya, one will be able to know this and understand about oneself. One must ask oneself, Today I have walked Jankama and have sat in Samadhi Pavana. How was the relationship between my citta and sati panya? Or was I merely walking like people going for a walk, or the way people sit casually. When people sit casually, it is not as bad as when we sit hopelessly without having any mindfulness in ourselves. During the time when we sit in Pavana, one who is striving for deliverance must always reflect, admonish, and warn himself all the time. One must not be complacent, for there is nothing in this world that can cause one to remain complacent. The Lord already taught that one must not seek or struggle for things in the world. This is because it is like running and looking for fire. The Lord said that these things are anijang, Dukkang and Anatta. There can be no certainty in them. So we must not have any attachment for them. Anijang, Dukkang and Anatta are similar to fire. If we are going to cling on to them, then it is like holding on to fire. The correct way is for us to investigate Anijang, Dukkang and anatta. Once we are attached to the samuti shadow of anijang, 
dukkang and anatta, then we must experience dukkha. The intensity of this dukkha varies with the kind of objects that the heart is attached to. There is no other kind of work for us to do. The only work that we have to do is the work of walking jankama and sitting in samadhi pavana, observing and watching our citta. So how can we not understand and know about the ways of the kilesas? For we are observing them with our sati and panya. Sati and panya are extremely important as the instruments that will be able to know and discover the tricks and deceptions of the kilesas. We will be able to know them in whatever way they manifest themselves, be it raka or dosa, or any form of bad temper. All of this will appear within the heart. And once the heart is being constantly taken care of, then one will know about them. This is because the nature of the heart is to know and have sati to acknowledge. We have to fix our attention in observing at this point, observing both the cause and the effect. And whether they disappear or not, it will not matter. That is, one should not speculate or have any wish for them to go away. For this is tanha. When dukkha arises and any ill feelings arise, and if we have the desire or wish for them to go away, without doing any investigation to find out the cause of these appearances, and then correct these causes, then they will not disappear, but will instead intensify. They will become more and more intense, to the extent that one will not be able to lay them down. Therefore, the observing of the jitta is extremely important. I really try my best to provide you with the opportunity to exert and strive in your practice. I really cherish and protect all of you, and I highly cherish the Samana Dhamma, and I cherish highly the practice of walking jangama and sitting in samadhi, pavana. I take this work as the really essential work and have entrusted my whole life to it because the results that came forth are really satisfying. It is through this work that we can attain to deliverance from dukkha. There is no other work than the practice of pavana that can liberate the citta from dukkha. This is the work of overcoming and getting rid of all of the gilesas with the various means and techniques of sati and panya which are not beyond our ability. I would really like my friends and fellow practitioners to come to understand Dhamma beginning from samadhi onwards. What is samadhi really like? 
what kind of calm and coolness is there? If sati and panya are constantly focused and concentrated at the citta and observing it, then the citta does not have time to go and mess around and to grab at this thing and that thing, which are just like poisons, which will afflict oneself. The citta will come to calm. And when the citta becomes reckless and stubborn, then one must use sati and panya to curb it, using the various techniques and methods. This is because sati and panya are superior to the gilesas, and this is what is called panya develops samadhi, and it is one of the techniques. This is when the gilesas are extremely wild. Then one must put all of one's effort into taming the jitta. It is really a life and death situation. One must do it until one comes to understand. Then the jitta will begin to draw insight and become submissive. This is the subduing or submission of the gilesas for they cannot stand up against sati and panya. The kind of experience that I can fully relate to you is the kind of experience that I had in the practice of pavana. Sometimes the citta became very reckless and went into the way of raka. Then I really had to put in a struggle until I was in tears. I really had to struggle and contend with it until I came to see the harm of it. When this happens, one must overcome it with the means and techniques that can catch up with it, and then one will see the harm of it. This clearly happened within myself. And when sitting for a long time until the pain became quite excruciating, one had to use sati and panya to investigate into the dhatu kanda, the body. At this time, one has to let go of all the other work of pavana that one has been doing. One has to let go of all the other work at the time when the dukkha vetana attacks us with its full force and combat it with the means of sati and panya. One must not let the jitta go out to any other thing, but to be revolving around with this dukkha vetana. One must really focus one's attention at this dukkha without letting mindfulness slip away. Sati, mindfulness, is really concentrated at this dukkha, like two boxes concentrating on each other. One cannot be of God because as soon as one is, one will be exposed and become vulnerable. It is the same way with our investigation. One must dig and analyze and search into the crux of the problem. Differentiate all of these things with true understanding. 
And when one truly understands, how can the wonder and the spectacular things not appear? There is nothing else in this whole world that can be more spectacular and wonderful than the citta itself. And likewise, there is nothing else that can be much worse than the citta itself. Once the citta has been trained, nothing can be more supreme and noble. Therefore, the citta is vital. It is the most suitable vessel for all the different kinds of Dhamma, and significantly, the Maka, Pala, and Nibbana. You must therefore strive and try to conquer the citta, try to develop and train the citta. When you fast, it is the time when you really concentrate and intensify your efforts in your practice. Your exertion is then far more strenuous than it would normally be. When one fasts or reduces the quantity one eats, then this is the means of getting one's mindfulness or sati to become more nimble. For one who finds that fasting suits his character, then when he does it, in his practice of pavana, he will become very quick and easy, much more so than when he eats regularly. But if one's character is not suited to this method, then it is really detrimental because it will just cause one to become concerned or worried about food, turning one's exertion into sanya aramana, and one will not be exerting in the true sense. This is when one finds that fasting doesn't suit one's temperament. For one who finds it suitable for his character, then his body will become light. The citta will become quick, nimble and alert. When one strives in the way of samadhi, one's mindfulness will be very good and one will not be disturbed by sleepiness. So one can really see that the cause of sleepiness is just from eating a lot of food. After one has fasted for two or three days, then drowsiness will not bother one anymore. No matter how long one sits, one will sit erect like a post. And if one establish calm of the citta, it will enter into it very readily. There is nothing to bother one's heart. And when one goes in the way of panya, then it will flow very easily, turning round and round and round. This is when it suits one's character. Regardless of what level of citta pavana or dhamma one is in, the means or techniques of practice, like fasting for instance, if it suits one's character, will always aid and promote one in one's progress. But if they do not suit one's character, then they will always be contrary to 
or going against one's practice all the way. We should not speculate about things going away from ourselves, especially things that go away from our heart. Like when we try to imagine what Kanika Samadhi is like, or what Upajara Samadhi is like. This is just conjecturing or speculation, or what Apana Samadhi is like, or when someone describes when the jitta has converged into complete concentration. We try to imagine what it is like. This is just imagination and conjecturing that goes away from the truth of the one who is going to experience this thing itself. For it is the heart that is going to experience this thing. Be it any kind of samadhi, it is the heart that will be the one to experience it. And the way of developing this samadhi and the result that will arise from the practice of citta pavana will also appear within the heart. The point is never to imagine or speculate or form any theory about what kanika samadhi, upachara samadhi, or apana samadhi are like, other than coming across and experiencing the truth of this samadhi ourselves. This is the correct way to do it. Like when they describe a particular dish, whether it is sweet or not really doesn't matter. For a child who hasn't had any schooling in learning about culinary matters, he is quite capable of knowing which food is delicious and which is not when it is handed to him. Although this boy might not know the various descriptions of the taste of food, he can taste it himself. One just has to experience this oneself. This is the natural taste of things. It is the same way with the experience of samadhi. One should just experience it as it happens naturally within oneself. It is something that one can develop and it doesn't depend on one's speculation and imagination or giving names or theories or concepts to them. This is useless and just waste one's time. Be it any kind of samadhi, one will get to know it for oneself. And whatever kind of samadhi suits one's character, one will get to know for oneself. As long as the cost, the means of making it arise, is being put forth. And this means or cause is sati or mindfulness and one's diligent effort that acts as the support. Then one will gain calm. And however one may gain calm, 
we will know this for ourselves also. Normally the citta tends to do a lot of thinking. As it is restless and agitated, like monkeys. But when one tries to develop oneself in the practice of pavana, having dhamma as one's basis of practice, and having sati as the thing to control the citta, one concentrates on the work of parikama pavana that the citta is doing at that time or any other kind of work. Like focusing one's attention on any particular Dhamma object, then the citta will not have the chance of going out of the way and will have Dhamma as the basis to hold on to. And then it will calm down. Whatever kind or type of calm it may be, one will know it for oneself. And what is the result of that calm? If not happiness, ease and comfort, following the various stages of calm, whether kanika, upajara or apana. The important point is never to speculate or imagine about them. For this is just a waste of time and an obstruction to one's practice of pavana, especially so when one is doing the investigation, because this is the aramana of the past. What we have studied from the text, or what we have heard from our teacher, are all past aramana. If we take them in to interrupt the work that we are doing in the present moment. Then it can cause the work that we are doing in the present to collapse. This is because the citta will have taken hold of the past without itself knowing it. One will not come upon any result. Therefore, during one's practice in the present moment. One should never allow the past to come and interrupt. Whatever might happen to the citta, let us just observe it. This is because we are doing the practice of citta pavana so that we can get to know about ourselves. It is not for the sake of delusion. And how can we not get to know it? Because the citta itself is the knowingness. That is, the one who knows. However we learn about the citta, depending on our various techniques of practice, we will get to know it for ourselves. For this is the result that will be clearly apparent within the heart. What the Lord Buddha taught was just to use as a pattern. But as far as the personalities and characters of people are concerned, 
There are very many of them. There are 84,000 Dhammas, so that they can suit the many characters of people. This is similar to a sick patient. The term patient itself refers to all sorts of people afflicted with various kinds of diseases. Is it possible for the doctor to have only one kind of medicine and have only one way to treat all these kinds of patients? He must have many different methods and many different kinds of medicines to cope with these many kinds of diseases because there are many different kinds of people. It is the same way with the Dhamma of the Lord Buddha. It cannot be just one single Dhamma because then it would not be able to cope with the various different personalities and characters of all sentient beings. So there must be different techniques and methods to suit each different individual character. So it really consists of many, many different dhammas. The point is never to involve yourself in the speculation and imagination, but to know it within oneself. This is very important. In order to be firm and stable, one has to be firm and stable in the means or the cause of samadhi. And this is to be firm and resolute in one's exertion and diligent effort. One's mindfulness is also firm. It doesn't shake or waver. One's diligent effort is the main cause or means, and this is where it begins. One who has intense and strenuous exertion is the one who will come across the result of samadhi, making the stability and firmness of the citta appear, which is the consequence of firm, resolute and diligent effort. Every level of calm is the basis for the investigation of vipassana. The important point is that the citta must be calm. Then it will be easy for it to tread the path of panya. The citta that is calm is the citta that is contented and satisfied and not hungering for any aramana due to having gained nourishment from the Dhamma. The Dhamma is the nutriment of the heart. Then the heart will be calm and cool and will not hanker or search for anything. And when we take it to investigate in any aspect of Dhamma, then sati and panya will really function and do their work at their fullest capacity. 
once panya begins to function at its fullest capacity, then one will come across understanding and knowledge. You can be convinced in this, because I have taught what I have taught out of certainty. I am not teaching out of blindness, guessing or conjecturing, for I have practiced this and also come across the results before teaching you about these things. Panya is also of many different kinds, but we should not be immersed in thinking about this either. When one has constantly developed Panya, then that Panya will become skillful and adaptable. It will become quick and alert, sharp and penetrating, until it becomes continuous. And this depends on the practice of training oneself. We must do this so that it conforms with our purpose in going forth to eradicate the kilesa. Let us not take up the rope and then prostrate and be submissive to the kilesas without being aware of it. Because when one walks jangama, one just prostrates to the kilesas. And when one sits in samadhi, pavana, one also prostrates to the kilesas. One is constantly being submissive to the kilesas without oneself being aware of it, because one doesn't have any sati. All there is, is just the gilesas. All the aramana that we think about, all concern the gilesas. So this is not the practice of pavana, for the getting rid of the gilesas, but rather for the accumulating of them to follow the kilesas and be submissive to them. One is totally submissive to them. One totally surrenders to them. We are the fighters, and we must not let it happen to us. We have to be serious and earnest, and really commit ourselves into it. There is nothing more important than the movement or the activities of the citta. It is here where one must focus one's observation. The thing that is in a constant state of activity is sankhara, concoction, and sanya, presumption and assumption speculation and imagination. Sanya is much, much more subtle than Sankara. Even in the present moment, it can be seen that it is extremely subtle. One doesn't have to concoct up any images, for it will exhibit itself and form up images. It is similar to water that is permeating through the ground. It just slowly permeates and flows out and forms up the images 
and build up the various stories and affairs without having to do any concocting. This is sanya. But regardless of which khanda, they all fall within the realm of anichang, dukkang, and anatta. If we don't know what they are up to, or understand their true nature, then they can be the instrument to deceive and fool us, because they are the instrument of the kilesa, which deceive and fool us. You must really put up your effort, be resolute and earnest. I would really like to see you experience samadhi. You who are in the practice circle, the practitioners of pavana. This is solely what you concentrate your effort upon. I would also like to see you come up with panya, which you can experience within your heart. But when you only hear about your teachers and fellow practitioners, then this is similar to going shopping in the market and just looking at the other people's merchandise. They are just other people's possessions, and one does not have anything that belongs to oneself. And one doesn't have any money either to buy these things. So one can only has done is just to commit things into memory. What has one really learned? Not a single kilesa has disappeared from within one's heart with this learning. If one doesn't practice, then one will never come upon any result from merely committing things into memory. Please really get to understand this point. And really get into your practice. One who constantly tries to develop panya will come across panya. You must never take anything in to obstruct yourself, because 99% of these things are the affairs of the kilesas, and we are only left with just the 1%. If we are not really serious. And honest, then 99% will go to the Gilesas. If they have 99 kinds of weapons, and we have only one kind of weapon, then we will not be able to fight with them. So we must produce and come up with the various weapons. We have to be really serious, resolute, and earnest. When one investigates the body, one must really do it, not merely investigate, so that one can just pass them over. We don't investigate so as to be able to count how many times we have investigated, but we investigate for true knowledge and insight. How many times it might be doesn't matter. We have to really do it like that.
we must force the jitta to remain at this place and not allow it to go anywhere else until it surrenders to us and we can see this very clearly. This is really the surrendering of the gilesas. When we really contend with them by putting our lives at stake and going right into the basis of the principle of truth and reason, then the gilesas will eventually cover and submit to us because our sati and panya are far superior to the gilesas. We can see this very clearly. How can these gilesas be greater than or more superior to the sati and panya that the Lord Buddha expounded to us? When the gilesas are forceful, then sati and panya must be equally forceful. The maka, which is suitability, the instrument of overcoming the gilesas, must also be very forceful. And when the gilesas become less intense, then the maka, the tools, can equally match them as well then. One can see this in the early stages of practice, when the jitta is in a state of restlessness and agitation and anxiety. It is like when we are trying to tame a buffalo. In the end, it cannot fight against the tamer. It is the same way with the jitta. In the end, it cannot go beyond our means. It cannot withstand our diligent effort and striving. It will become weaker, while sati and panya will become stronger. Then the citta can establish its basis, and then there will be peace and cool-heartedness. There will be no more gloominess and confusion, like fire that smolders inside the heart. This is like the fire burning the rice husks. It is just a smoldering fire. This is the way we are being consumed by such a fire. So we must clear out this fire with our diligent effort. And when the citta has attained to calm, then it will be cool, and the fire will become cool when the citta has calm and has established its basis. This happened to me. The important thing is not to be complacent. One must be constantly struggling and moving on. When one is sitting in Samadhi Pavana, one has to be really committing one's effort in the establishing of Samadhi for the sake of calm. And when one investigates in the way of Panya, one also has to do this very truly. Be very serious with Panya, investigating and analyzing. Wherever one concentrates one's attention, it is there that one will come up with the way and the techniques of tackling the problem. If one is not attentive and concentrated, 
then it means that one doesn't have any sati. Wherever one focuses one's attention, one has to be attentive and concentrated on that particular object. Then some kind of understanding or insight will arise. This will happen gradually or occasionally as one moves along. The important thing is that one must have sati or mindfulness following one's investigation. Then one's knowledge and insight will steadily appear. Wherever one goes and investigates and analyzes, then there one will come across understanding, know-how and wisdom. One's awareness will become heightened. This is how it will happen when Panya begins to develop and begins to move on. In the beginning stages of practice, in trying to develop the citta, in trying to attain samadhi, it is very difficult and hard. But one doesn't give up, for then there will be no possibility of going beyond one's giving up. One will be able to attain to calm eventually, for the citta will become weaker in its resistance. When one investigates with panya, one should investigate the body, be it the body of people or animals, and the internal or external body. One must investigate to see that they are living cemeteries all over the whole world. Are we contented with living with these living cemeteries? We are a living cemetery, and so are other people's bodies. We are all living cemeteries, all living ghosts, and this is over the entire world. Is there any beauty or pleasantness in this thing? Is there any real essence in these things? There is none. And when we investigate on asupa, unwholesomeness, or particular filthiness, we find that they are just like that. And speaking with respect to death, or anijang, or dukkang, which covers both aging, disease, and death eventually. Then also eventually we will come upon death. And this whole world is really the world of the dead. We are all just waiting for the time. This is just like animals waiting to go into the slaughterhouse to be slaughtered. They have to wait in the queue. Once we are born, all of us will be claimed by death. Death has already laid its reservation for all of us, whether we are a man or a woman, young or old, every one of us. It has already laid claim to every one of us.
and one will die today, another will die tomorrow, and that one will die the day after, and so on and so forth. We have already been claimed by it. We have to investigate so that we can see that this is really so. And this is the way of Panya. It must touch us deeply inside our hearts. We have already been branded. But the problem is that we don't know it ourselves. For we are too immersed in eating the grass like the cows and the buffalo. For all these cows have been branded. We have also been branded by the Machuracha, the king of death. Anichang, change or impermanence, has constantly been putting its brand on us, putting its mark on us. And the sound that arises from this branding or marking can be heard throughout the entire universe. It is a very loud noise if it can be compared to sound. And if we listen with our ears, then they would just break apart. Our brain would totally burst apart because the affairs of Anichang, Dukkang and Anatta shake the whole world. They put their mark or brand on our bodies, every single part of them. And they are all branded with the mark of Dukkang, Anicham, and Anatta. This goes on constantly, all the time, even when we are sleeping. This marking never stops. When we wake up, they also put on the mark. And while we are eating and thinking, Oh, today the food is delicious. They are also putting on their mark right there and then. When we are enjoying the delicious taste of the food, don't we know this? We have to investigate so that we can be fully impressed by this truth. Anijang is constant change. This is the truth and this is the path, or the law of the Vatachaka. This is the way it is. And you must investigate until you can understand it. You must try to take hold of the real essence, the real possession, which is the heart. Don't leave it and pickle it with the filthy and dirty things in the pile of Anijang, Dukkang, and Anatta. You must take it out from these things, because the heart is extremely vital and of the most important essence. The heart is the real important essence, but even so, we cannot come up with any essence from it, because it is being deluded for it is attached to or immersed in the maya of things that have no essence in them. They are anijang, dukkang, and anatta. 
which we consider as the Maya. So what essence can we find from these things, which are immersed in the Maya? Even with a solid bar of gold, once it is immersed in the Maya, it is not pleasant or good to look at. But the heart is far superior to a whole bar of gold. But again, when the heart is immersed in the Maya of greed, hatred and delusion, then what kind of essence or value could it come up with? So we have to try to uplift the citta and get it away from these things, from this pile of anijang and dukkang that constantly oppresses the citta and anatta. Where can one say that there is such a thing as people or animals? or as I or they, or as something that we can cling to. Even in the citta itself, there are these things to be found. When one investigates, one must really do it and see truth clearly inside the heart. Because Dhamma is the truth, it is real, and we must never run contrary to the truth that has been taught to us. The Gilesas and Dhamma will always oppose one another. And when the Gilesas are in the Jitta, then our views and understanding that manifest themselves within our hearts must always go contrary to Dhamma and will always trample on and destroy the Dhamma without ourselves being aware of it. We have to really investigate so that we can really see the truth. When the truth becomes deeply impressed, then the citta will elevate itself from these things. It will be firm and resolute like a warrior. One's exertion will be very intense, and one's sati and panya will be relentlessly turning around and turning around. It will investigate until one understands the truth. When Panya goes on a tour of investigation, it will go all over the entire world. This is the level of Panya, going wandering in the search for the truth. It will go out of the body and investigate everything in the physical world to see that they are all of one and the same substance. And this without any doubt, because everything is one and the same. When it has compared both the internal and external, until it comes to true understanding, then it will let go of these things, leaving them as they truly are. And now the burden of the jitta becomes less and the scope becomes narrower. This is because the gilesas are becoming narrow and one's delusion is also becoming narrower. The sphere of one's delusion becomes narrower and it is not like before when one seems to be deluded in everything. This is because 
Sati and Panya can round them up or round them in. Sati Panya will round them up and bring them in. And in the end, all that is left is just the five conducts. One then must break these five conducts into pieces. The Rupa Kanda is just like any other form. Vetana, either Sukha, Dukkha or neutral, is experienced by everybody in the world. But the Dukkha of others does not affect oneself. It is one's own Dukkha that really affects oneself. And this is Dukkha Vetana. One must investigate so that one can see it very clearly. One will come across Vetana, Sanya, Sankhara, and Vijnana because these four conducts are interrelated. It doesn't mean that one must investigate them one at a time. The important thing is to focus one's panya on any one of them and come to true understanding following the true nature of these things. It can be either into the basis of truth of Sankara or the true nature of Sanya because then they will run together. One will come to understand all of them very clearly. Once one has understood, how can one not then let go of them? One will let go of them because the reason why one hangs on to them is simply because one doesn't have the right understanding. We are learning the way of Jitta Pavana for the sake of knowledge and realization. And when we practice the way of Jitta Pavana, it is also for true knowledge and understanding about ourselves. We want to learn about our delusion in being immersed in Anijang, Dukkang, and Anatta, both internally and externally. When one has truly seen and realized the truth, then Sati and Panya will withdraw within because there is nothing else out there to fight and the scope of the investigation will become narrower and narrower until it converges into the jitta. And this is where one will have to totally eliminate them. Where can they hide away from Sati and Panya in the jitta? because it is right there where Sati and Panya will send them to destruction. When they are totally wiped out, then what is left? Gone is Anijang, gone is Dukkang, and gone is Anatta. Everything is let go of and left as it really is. These three Dhammas are the path for the attainment of Nibbāna. When one has arrived at one's final destination, then these three Dhammas lose their purpose. It is like when we travel on the road and arrive at our destination. 
The road that led us to our destination has no more purpose. It is the same way with the citta. When it travels through this anijang, dukkang, and anatta, until arriving at its destination, then this anijang, dukkang, and anatta have no more use. Once investigation that was turning around like a dhammajaka will also come to cease, because all the gilesas have already been destroyed. And this is the kind of work that the practitioners during the time of the Lord Buddha were doing. And it was known that some of them had attained to the Maga, Pala and Nibbana in such a forest, in such a mountain, over there and over here. This was because this was the kind of work they were doing. It was not the work of accumulating the gilesas, the work of involvement and confusion. As far as fame and honor is concerned, they are something that deceives us and leads us into insanity. They are just empty wind. The gilesas are really the chief culprit that deceives us with rank and honor, name and fame. What can really be more supreme than Dhamma? Let's fight until we can really get to see the Dhamma inside the heart. Then one will let go of everything, name and fame, rank and honor, are really child's stuff. They are kids' stuff, like the toys that children play with. Once one has seen the truth, then one will let go of these things. One will let go of all samuti, and none of it will be left inside the heart. And this is the most satisfying result. From the beginning, when one has to struggle along, on the uphill struggle, one can eventually attain to the result. This is due to training, disciplining, and developing oneself, and protecting oneself, taking care of oneself, and nourishing oneself. Then there is the possibility that one will progress. Therefore, please see the value of the training and disciplining of oneself as well as taking care of and nourishing oneself, which is the heart. And this is the most important thing in the whole wide world. One must take the work of Jitta Pavana as the most important work of all. We must not take other kind of work in just to alleviate our annoyance, because then instead, there will just be the annoyance, for this is just a way of increasing the annoyance. When the jitta has attained to the ultimate, then it is blissful and happy, and that is the end of all problems. There is an end to the work of jitta, pavana. It is not like the work 
of the world, which one will do until the day one dies, and still carry the burden of worry and confusion and attachment to other things, which just increases the dukkha which one carries along to the next form of birth. One can never come to any happiness, ease and comfort. But in the work of Jitta Pavana, once one has accomplished it, then one totally loses all worry. This is Analayo, totally free of worry, because one has left all things as they really are. And even with one's own body, whatever should happen to it, one would just let it happen. One has already learned and known about this body, like the body Vetana, Chitta and Dhamma. One already knows about the body and that it is entirely full of Anijang, Dukkang and Anatta. And it is the same way with Vetana, Chitta and Dhamma. They are full of Anijang, Dukkang and Anatta. It is like the Lord said at the last stage, one must let go of all Dhammas. When you haven't arrived at your destination, don't let go of the stairway. But once you have arrived at your destination, then you must let go of the stairway. You must not cling to it. This is when one has arrived at the last stage. Then one must let go of the stairway. All the Dhammas refers here to all the Samuti Dhammas. And when one has arrived at that stage, one must let go of the stair that one trod upon. One must let go of it. At this stage, the citta really becomes immersed in the pleasure of investigation, for it is a very subtle level. But when the citta has attained to its destination, then the citta must let go of all of these things, for they are the dhammas of anatta. These dhammas are all anatta. The citta must let go of all of them entirely. But once one has passed beyond Anijang, Dukkang, and Anatta, what is this state? This is not Samuti, and one doesn't say anything about it. One is not deluded in it. Even if one doesn't say anything about it, one understands, one knows. This is when one has arrived at the absolute state of knowledge. Even when one doesn't speak about it, one knows. And if one doesn't give it a name like the great sage, still one knows that this is the great sage, if we want to give it such a name. Gone now are all the problems. The problems are only found within the world. And so is 
the confusion. Please really investigate and be really earnest in your practice. End of Dejana.